Hey friends, welcome back to part two of What Are Men Thinking here on In Strange Company. I'm so glad that you've decided to come back and listen to this final installment. If you haven't listened to the first episode, I highly recommend that you go back and listen. It was a lot of fun. We had some good laughs. Plus, it'll provide some context for the things that we talk about in this final part. If you enjoyed this episode or any of the other episodes that I've been sharing, please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite platform. And with that, enjoy part two of What Are Men Thinking? Welcome to In Strange Company. I'm your host, Marcus Strange. I believe we're a composite of the people with whom we surround ourselves. On this podcast, I sit down with some of the most interesting humans you could hope to meet and give you the opportunity to surround yourself with some amazing people. My guests and I share insights into creating authentic and purpose-filled lives. Thanks for stopping by. I appreciate the company. Um, Okay, so let's let's jump to another one. Marcus, I I think it's going to be your turn. And I want to go talking about, um, you know, as a, as a woman and having a lot of friends, you know, I, I had this experience several years ago where I had, uh, there was four couples, uh, men and women, and we all had a hot tub, a naked hot tub together. And coming from a conservative background myself, it was the first time I had done that. They were people I trusted and, and, and cared about. I still care about all these people. But I remember seeing these women and knowing that they had talked about their bodies in ways where like, oh, this about my stomach, this about my boobs, this about my legs, this about whatever it is. And I saw these women naked. I was like, oh my gosh, these women are beautiful. What are they talking about? But I know that that is not... Uh, women specific. And I know that men have their own things with their bodies. And so Marcus, how do you feel about your body? What are your insecurities or your self-consciousness around your appearance? Like, and how is your process with that in a current moment? How is that aided maybe by a a partner? What have you done in your own experience and and process of this for your, for yourself? Wow. Asking me the hard questions. Um, you know, I think one thing for for people to think about with their male partner is, and, and this is something that really bothers me, actually. I see a lot of uh, comedy around uh, men's bodies, and um, and that transfers into men when they feel insecure about their bodies. We tend to... Again, I'm generalizing here, but we tend to turn it into comedy and joke about it. And um, so I just want to say that when you hear somebody, whether it's male or female, joking about something, that's a that's a deep insecurity. So with that being said, um, yeah, I uh, I am frequently frustrated with my body and I am frequently um, not happy with it, which I don't talk a lot about. Um, I think, you know, <laughs> people, people joke with me all the time, like, oh, you're so fit. And you know, you, 
you're always exercising. And when they say that, usually what I think is like, yeah, sure. Like I am not that fit. Like I immediately go to like picking apart and criticizing. Um, specifically, I hate my hair. I hate my hair so much. Like, um, yeah, it just like, if you, like you all have probably seen that I wear hats a lot. It's cause I hate my hair and just, I've always, I've always not liked my hair. I don't know, um, like where that, I mean, I kind of know where that comes from in my childhood. Like there were some comments made by those family members of mine about my hair. And I think that just kind of started that. I don't like my hair. Um, I wish I could get rid of these love handles. That would make me really happy. Yeah, uh, it's, you know, it's something that, uh, you know, I don't know if people realize that I struggle with, but I totally struggle with like not liking my body. It's, it's Mm. how about, how about Fred or Jared? How about either of you guys? You want to jump in in this? Um, I could, I'll jump in. Um, I, so I've, you know, I've been a runner forever. I ran cross country through middle school, high school college so i was always very skinny um that was i I think for me that's mostly my my biggest insecurity um and especially for me um having a fast metabolism and you know a lot of people would be like oh that's that's not a problem that's not something to that's not something to complain Mm -hmm. about but you know I, i always i try to explain it to people you know i've got friends that you know consider themselves overweight and i'm like you know you know, if you go to the gym, you see people of all shapes and sizes and everyone's at a level and they're all trying to get somewhere else, whether I'm, I'm skinny and I'm what your goal is, or you're huge and you're what my goal is, whatever that might be. Everyone's trying to work towards something that they are not currently. Um, so, um, I, I would say for me, it's probably my, my, I guess my body size. And it's really hard for me to uh, gain weight, which also, like I said, doesn't sound like a problem. Uh, but when that's your goal and you know, you can only eat so much in a day, which like I said, again, doesn't sound like a problem to someone that would prefer to be in my body. But when my goal is to be, you know, 10, 15, 20 pounds heavier. And I've been, you know, relatively regularly, I'd say three to five times a week working out for the last three years, I don't look that much different. I'm a lot stronger. But, um, you know, and I put in a lot of work in the gym, but, um, people don't see that it's, it doesn't show up physically on me. So when I, you know, take when I look at pictures from three years ago and pictures now, I, I, I can see numbers in my, you know, my workout app. I, I used to only be able to bench 115 pounds. Now I can bench 210 pounds, like, but no one's going to see that on the streets. And, um, and that's not something that I, I don't really talk about it because, you know, I, I, you know, I'm grateful for my health. I can, you know, go on a hike and not have to worry about that. I don't have, you know, bad knees or bad hips or, you know, there's a lot to be grateful for, but at the same time, you know, everyone's in the body that they're given and there's always going to be something to, um, you know, nitpick and criticize. And I would say for me that it would be kind of my body size. See, and this is a perfect example. Yeah. Of, of what you're talking about, Bonnie, because Fred and I go to the same gym. And, he and looks great, when I see Fred way. in the gym, I'm like, dude, Fred is a beast. 
and uh, I, I'm like, Fred's in here. I gotta like, I gotta, you know, work hard because Fred's working hard. Like, it's very like you're very inspiring, and I would never know that you have that internal dialogue with yourself. Which is insane because I was literally thinking that while you were talking about your gym experience. Because <laughs> you, yes, I no, 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 like this is like true talk. You walk by and I'm like, oh my God, like I wish I could look like, I was like, if my arms look like that, I actually, the girl I work out with, <laughs> the girl I work out with, you would walk by and I'd like say hi and I'd be like, oh yeah, that's Marcus. I'm like, I, I could get arms like that. I wish my arms were like that. Just like a little <laughs> bit bigger, just a little bit bigger and then I'll be good. Like I, it's, and I literally have said that to her multiple times. <laughs> It's so funny. <laughs> this is like the best. I love that. I, I and that's the thing too. I you know I'm, when I'm in the gym, I'm just like I I I mean I'm here, but I don't belong here. I look at all these other people, and I'm like, no one's looking at me. No one's paying attention to what I'm up to. You know, I'm working really hard, but no one knows. No one like I look like I'm you know pushing up toothpicks. But to hear you say that, you you know see me, and you're like, oh, Fred's here. I gotta I gotta kick it into gear. Like that's crazy because when I'm in there, I feel completely invisible. So that's, that's cool. Yeah, no, it's like a, a very positive thing too. It's not like I'm comparing myself oh, no, totally. to you or I think like, it's like, it's like, yeah, like, yeah, Fred's here working hard. Like I can work hard too. And yeah, I, yeah, it's, it's funny. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know why that is that we don't just see the, the good that we have. I, I love this. I love that like you guys do have the same gym that you work out in and that you're just having this conversation and the That's awareness. Right, I think this is, this is like, this is like <laughs> jumping in the hot tub with my girlfriend. So I was like, wait a second. Like I see you naked. Like, what are you talking about? And so like having you guys like right now, you're like, we're, we're naked in the hot tub together. I mean, we're not, but like, that's what this is. <laughs> you know, we're like, oh, like this is what you're saying, but that's not what I'm seeing. Yeah. And uh, that's so interesting. It's fascinating. Like the perspective that we have, uh, that the others have of us. And I know that for my kids, they're like, man, I just wish, mom, that um, I knew what other people thought about me. And I'm like, you know what? I think everybody thinks that sometimes. And so this is like one of those feedback feedback moments. It's kind of interesting. Um, I have a question for you to, as a follow-up to this then. And actually, I'm just going to jump straight to Jared. Jared, would you be willing to do a naked photo shoot? Oh, I've, I've uh, already said yes to that question. Yeah. Sweet. And have you <laughs> done it? Amazing. It didn't happen. Um, there was there was supposed to be a for charity uh, shoot. I got to I got to keep this so nebulous to protect the other people who didn't want to. Do <laughs> um, there was going to be a, an all male calendar. Oh, Ooh. hell yes. Uh, but making fun of the typical mm-hmm. misogynistic kind of yeah poses and whatnot but all in wild places and i had claimed, I had claimed uh january uh i wanted it in the winter <laughs> that's so fantastic. bro i love you you're amazing and i want to be i want to be real clear here like i am not in the best shape of my life um 
I have not seen the inside of a gym unless I'm like driving past it and can look through the window. But, you know, um, <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I've given up a lot of like just the uh, certain appearance things because I, I struggle with I struggle against. I used to say suffer from I say struggle against now uh, Lyme's disease and early onset mm-hmm. arthritis and a bunch of you know, things that make normal working out not an option, but I love to be, I love to be outside and do things outside and to keep my body in the kind of shape where it can still do the things that I love and the whole reason why I moved out here. So for me, the body image thing with that was more like, let's just rub this in their faces. Dad bod coming in. Mm. (laughs) What do you love to do with your body? Like what that type of movement do you love to use your body for? Like right now, sleep. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> maybe maybe a little bit more movement than sleep. I think I need a little bit more movement. I, I honestly, all the things I I used to love doing, I I I just don't do anymore. I I used to free solo. I used to cliff jump. I used to do a lot of things that are wildly irresponsible if you have children and no healthcare plan. So, um, yeah, I actually. I promised my wife when we were engaged, she basically had me choose between those kind of activities and her. So I've rock climbed once in the last 10 years. So now what I do is I, I'll go wade around in the river. Um, I actually really enjoy going into cold, cold, cold water after a long hike or even a short run. Um, during the school year when the kids are actually in school, um, after I drop them off from school, sometimes I would, I would take a walk down to the river, hop in the water for a little bit before my first conference call of the day and then go back out. And like, even in January, it's yeah. Cold therapy. Yeah. That's I love it. Legit, man. I absolutely love it. So this is interesting too, because when I, when, when I think about Jared Frazier, I compare myself and I'm like, so Jared and I both hunt and I'm like, man, I wish I could hunt as hard as Jared does. And I wish I was as mentally tough as Jared is like, that is a comparison that I have for sure. So it's interesting to hear you say that you're not, um, that you're not all these different things. Cause I look at you and I think, man, like here are all these things that Jared is that I wish I was. And that's why I like the Kierkegaard standard of freedom. <laughs> you start measuring off yourself. And it, it, I understand the, the measuring on others. I, I understand it as a thing people do. I just didn't have the opportunity for it as a kid. I had younger siblings and parents and their friends to measure off of. I, I didn't really. And, and if my parents listen to this, they're going to be like, bullshit, buddy, you were a real problem uh, when you started trying to look like other kids. Well, I was going off of what was on TV or in magazines because I didn't have. A so I was homeschooled, you know, I didn't have a real social network. So a lot of those learned things that my kids now struggle with that I have a hard time associating with from personal experience, like I have sympathy, but not historical empathy um i see them going through it but it's not been a part of my life which is it might sound really nice if it's something you struggle with a lot but i can tell you not having it can be a real hindrance on the relational front especially as a as a parent 
um, to not have empathetic history for some of the things my kids have with comparing themselves to others. Yeah, that, that is a, a definite thing that is interesting to navigate with children and being in that same place as well. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Like I loved all these things. Actually, I, uh, real quickly, just cause I do want to move on to another thing. Fred mm-hmm. naked photo shoot. Sure. Let's do it. I would claim, okay, let's great. see what would be my month. It would have to be December cause I love Christmas. So it would be some sort okay, of, perfect. I don't know. Jeez. There's I'll a think lot of the backdrop. There is, there is a lot. Merry Christmas, everyone. If you get a special edition of my Christmas CD, you might get a different uh, version I mean, of it. There might be a little insert in, inside the. Wait, 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 wait. I have. <laughs> this is what's going to happen. This is the Jared Marcus Fred calendar to 2021. Oh, gosh. I mean, oh, like 2021 right. is going to come with the CD. Perfect. And here we go. Marcus, what's your month? Marcus, what right is now. your month? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm in. Sign me up. We'll swap out months. Uh, get a track list. I'll record it. And uh, <laughs> me and Marcus will hit the gym. And Jared will drive by and wave, and that's how it'll be. It'll be great. And then you guys will all go hunting together. That's Perfect. Oh. Um, actually, go jump in the cold river. Yes. Marcus, what month are you climbing? Oh, man. Um, you know, really, like, I feel like Mr. October. Like, that just that just seems kind of the right fit. I'm not sure why. Because that's okay, my birthday we- month. That's why. <laughs> There it is. <laughs> Birthday suit. Get it. <laughs> okay. Okay. I wanna I wanna we're gonna lean into sex a little bit here for a moment. Um what is I, I just want a quick answer. You have um the I'll give you a sec to think about what is most attractive to you on um another person? Um, meaning somebody that you might be interested in. Is it boobs? Is it legs? Is it ass? Is it their abs? Is it their lips what is it that you're like wow i love this part jared thanks uh for the warning there um um, uh, it's it always starts with the eyes like always and and i don't mean that in like a notice notice my uh uh cleanliness and you know no no it's it's not that you know a lot about what someone is thinking about you via their eyes and it's a quick education on whatever else might be attached to those eyes um (laughs) if you know what to look for (laughs) true okay marcus how about you i mean (sighs) Okay, like real talk, like I, yeah. boobs are great. Like a, a good set <laughs> of, of boobs is incredible, but like other things, like I think a jacked back is super sexy for sure. Um, and then it's, I'm amazed that Jared said eyes because literally the first two things that popped in my head were like, uh, like a good back and eyes. Like there's something about eyes that is super attractive. And I think Jared hit the nail on the head with what that is. Do you, do you think mm-hmm. it's because of what, we, how we were raised? Like no ankle, no 
Because <laughs> I've wondered about this. You know, maybe, when guys are having maybe. discussions, and I'm like, yeah, but freckles in next to the pupil, come on. <laughs> you know, but, but we were hyper limited, you know, in options yes, of, of, sure. of uh, mental exploration and whatnot. So, because of mm. thought crimes. I think, you know what? Yeah, thought crimes. Yeah, no kidding. Um, I think. I think it is that when it, for me, because I'm attracted to women, when a woman is able to give you the, like, for lack of a better term, the fuck me eyes, that is super hot. We are going to make this explicit so you guys can swear, by the way. Oh, but <laughs> Love that. I should have said that at the beginning. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like when someone can give you that look, like that is so attractive i and and some people can just do it i don't know if i'm one of those people that can do it but um yeah it's very attractive mm, i like it fred how do you think what, what what's your take on the uh the eyes thing that's huge you want some, um, you want some fuck me but, eyes but then, I, oh <laughs> give me yes sign me up december there we go um, and some milk <laughs> <laughs> give me some milk though yes um, uh, but I also, <laughs> uh, but, uh, for me, a legs, butt combo, um, I think being a runner mm. and, uh, you know, mm. we would, we'd run with the lady cross country team. And as a gentleman, I let them go up the hill first. And that seems to be, I know, I know my number is four, four, zero six. It is not that it's so alive. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I definitely the eyes, I mean, that's kind of a given. Um, and then the legs, butt combo that, that for me, that'll do it. Come, I like this. Um, let's, let's keep on going with, uh, kind of this, the observing of another person. I'm going to put this even at general. So not necessarily with even somebody you're maybe specifically with. Uh, because you're going to have some sort of intimacy already with them. But to be out in public and to see a woman walking around without a bra and she's totally nipples, um, is that, uh, what's your take on that? Like, is that something that you're like, wow, she should like wear a bra or like, I don't um, fucking care. Like that's uh, her body. I'm going to jump to uh, my experience in the grocery store. Um because mm -hmm. after working there for a decade, you kind of create relationships with a lot of people and you just never know where people are yeah. at. Um, you know, I, I, there's a specific story. Um, and this story never has come up in any conversation I've had until now because it was never really explicitly asked, but, um, there was a woman, um, she had four, I think she had four kids and she was pregnant at the time. Um, and she was in my line. She was just really overwhelmed. Her kids were not, you know, she, they, they were not acting accordingly. Um, she was just very overwhelmed. It was a little bit before Thanksgiving. So it was kind of hustle bustle. Um, she was trying to get some cards to work. She was using a food stamp card and didn't have enough money. So she had to run out to her car. So I suspended her order and, you know, in the midst of talking to her, you know, there was a little bit of a gap where she had realized she didn't have the cards she needed. So she had to go out and get it or whatever. I was like, you know, I just said, how are you doing? And she told me exactly how she was doing. She was like, well, my, you know, my significant other left me and I don't have any money. I don't even have money for a bra right now. She's like, she just said that straight up. And it was very clear that she was not wearing one. And, you know, she was mm -hmm. overwhelmed. And in the moment when I asked her, that was her opportunity to kind of lay it all out there. 
And to me, I was like, that's not the answer I was expecting. You know, like I said before, I do want to hear, but sometimes it, 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 it gets deep, you know, when it's like, I I can't even afford a bra. But I, I, then I thought about her kind of just her experience, you know, not only at the checkout line, but as she's, you know, lifting an arm to grab a box of cereal and, you know, how many people maybe judged her in aisle six because, you know, they think, oh, you think you could just walk out in public without a bra and how, you know, how could you? And they have no idea what she's going through. So to me, mm. you know, I mean, it is your body. Do, do, do what you do with it. I think some people don't wear one on purpose to get attention. And if that's how you want to operate, then that's how you operate. You know, men do things similarly you know you wear the tank top to show off your muscles whatever there's a lump is a lump so you know that's that's kind of my my thing if that's how you want to you know operate your life then that's totally fine yeah i really appreciate that story and like kind of the perspective and the empathy that i can feel like you're having and i think too like you came from having you know you and your mom and your sister and and so having that perspective and, and layering that kind of care on this woman in that moment, so no, just thank you. Thank you for that. And I think as a mom and having kids and knowing what that's like in a grocery store moment and her just being able to deliver that was probably that's such a relief. Right. Right. Yeah. And it's, I, I feel bad, especially, you know, I guess a little bit more in recent times as kind of the breastfeeding thing becomes an mm-hmm. issue. And, you know, I, I, I'm a big, I like, what am I trying to say? Um, Intention is a big thing for me. And, you know, talking to friends that are moms that, you know, breastfeed in public or whatever, or, you know, their intention is not some people's intention. I shouldn't say all people, but some people's intention isn't to grab attention or to, you know, it's not a statement to not wear a bra or, you know, wear underwear or whatever a man or woman decides to wear or not wear it's just what they're doing. And they, you know, there's sometimes not any thought behind it. And sometimes there is, and you just kind of kind of meet people where they're at and not jump to any sort of conclusion based on things that you think should be happening versus what's actually happening. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's kind yeah, of my thank perspective, you. I guess. Yeah. Thank you for that. Um, Marcus and Jared, I think uh, both of you coming from a very conservative uh, background place is does it feel and and I think also having having left those places, does it feel to you at all like a, a place of um, oh like a, not necessarily shaming of those women or of those situations those people or you're like oh yeah hell yes like I left that you do your thing um, is there is there any discomfort because of where you've come from and seeing women in kind of an embracing of like, like, like definitely like there's her boobs, there's like her sexuality, like on her chest. Is that, is there a discomfort there even at all for you? Uh, Jared, um, I worked real hard when I moved out. I, I moved out of my parents at 16. So still in the throes of no brain working, all hormones running. Um, tried to figure out that element just coming from a, you know, how high can the collar possibly get to cover up more, please, uh, kind of, Mm -hmm. uh, background. Um, for me, where I'm at with it now is, is it's like an immediate, that person made a conscious choice. They did it on their own. I'm happy for them. 
um, not, I, I, that might sound like real clinical, but that's kind of where my process, like, I just feel good for them, I guess, um, cool. that they, they felt like they could take a conscious choice to do something that's against societal norm and knowing that they'll get old ladies frowning at them real hard for doing that thing, no matter yes. their circumstance. Um, and they're going to get creepy old men who are only capable of barking from the porch, you know, um, reacting, but they still chose to, I feel mm-hmm. happy for them in their strength. I love this. I love that answer so much. You have no idea. <laughs> okay. I want to jump to another question. Um, we'll maybe do two more questions and then wrap this up. Does that sound good? Marcus, are yeah. you good at that? That okay, works for cool. me. Yeah. Okay. Um, so next one, I am going to ask Marcus, how do you feel about scheduled sex? Oh, um, well, it's not my preferred because I think that, I mean, there is, there's something really, um, there's something really fulfilling about that spontaneous, um, you know, passionate, you know, in the heat of the moment kind of sex. Like that obviously is for, well, maybe not obviously for me. Um, that's, that's what I like. I do recognize that that is not always possible. And I am actually, as I, this is going to sound so weird, but as I mature, I'm, I'm becoming more and more a fan of if you need to schedule that because it's an important part of your life. And just like with exercising or taking care of your mental health or calling your grandparents, like if you don't schedule out the important things in your life, they can very easily fall to the wayside. And we schedule other things that are important and like sex is an important part of life. So if you need to schedule that. Okay. I love it. Okay. I'm going to ask you uh, two follow-up questions. Um, and then I want to ask, and then I want uh, somebody else to answer this as well. Both days. So uh, real quick morning, afternoon, or evening, what's your favorite Marcus? If you had to plan it and you had to choose. Okay. So my, if I, if I have to plan it, it's going to be planned around my partner and, and their schedule, but no, just you. Like this is you, though. Like oh, they're, yeah. they're they're on board sure, sure. regardless. You're gonna choose morning, afternoon, or evening. There's just something like really fun about afternoon because it's not something that normally happens, right? Like typically, it either happens in the morning or in the evening because that's when you're in bed. But yeah. when it happens in the afternoon, it's typically more spontaneous. It's typically, in my experience, more more heated. It's like all the things that I love about sex tend to happen in the afternoon because it's outside the norm. I love it. When I What's teach that? yoga, when I teach yoga, I have a, I have a noon class when we're not in COVID and uh, I love that it's noon class because I always love to say, welcome to yoga nooner. That's just <laughs> Here we are. <laughs> okay. Marcus, one more. And then I want friend to answer these three. Um, Marcus, how often, if you could choose, and this is all for you, oh boy, um, 
how often do you want sex? Think about that for a minute. And then I just want to follow this up with, there's often this uh, idea in society that men are very sex driven and women are not as sex driven. And um, it is shown, proved scientific researches, whatever, like polls, all the people that is uh, not true. There's no, there's no uh, blanket statement to give for male or female. Um, a, a woman can have a higher sex drive than a man and then vice versa. And so for you personally, um, thinking about all consideration, like how often is, uh, is enough sex where you're like, wow, I would love it if it was this. Mm. Man, I hate that I turned the reins over to you. Uh, <laughs> honestly, daily. Like, I I would be good with daily. Cool. Okay, sweet. Let's go. Ja, Fred, Fred, how do you feel about scheduled sex? Oh, man. Well, I'm very single, so... Um, <laughs> You're like scheduled. How much tonight? Uh, my number is. <laughs> number is my month. Let's get it popping. Um, you know, for me, I think um, everything is good in moderation. I think just because you schedule it doesn't mean it's not happening more often. Um, but mm -hmm. I, you know, I think I think about people like Jared, who's got you know many many kids, and it's. I, I imagine it would be really I easy. Two. I have two. Oh, you have two. <laughs> you have many. You have, many, many. That's many. too many. I've said many twice. <laughs> One many for each child. It's fine. That, that, uh, that's applicable to us. So. Seven and eight-year-old. Sorry. And, and no, no, I do apologize. Everyone, he only has two kids. Seven-year-old, seven and eight-year-old. Um, I, I imagine it would be really easy over a span of I, I mean months even to you know kind of do the daily grind and get kids in bed and then fall asleep and all of us you know and even if you were in the mood it's like ugh, i can't do this um so i think like like marcus was saying you schedule other, other things that are important and if you're at a point in your life that's what you need to do then you need to do that i imagine that ebbs and flows you know as your kids get older and are a little bit more um independent you know they get driver's license they're out with friends whatever and all of a sudden it's more fun you know on a wednesday afternoon kids are someone's at soccer someone's somewhere else and we got till 6 30 let's let's go for it um but yeah i i mean i imagine at some certain points in your life that's what is going to have to happen and you kind of got to be okay with that so it wouldn't bother me cool okay morning afternoon or evening what's your choice I like the I I liked Marcus's answer the afternoon thing it's not you know um it's not a normal time when that would happen um so I would say that maybe like a late morning you know kind of a 10 to noon situation mm -hmm. because it's like we should be at work but um I, yeah so kind of something out of the morning evening would be exciting not that morning or evening sex is not exciting but um I would say something outside of the what would be considered normal. Cool. Yeah. I like it. And uh, how often do you want it? You know, for me, I think, you know, as a single gentleman, um, I, I've never had, you know, I've never felt the need to kind of just go out and spread it all the time. Um, I think for me, I'd say three to four times a week would be enough for me. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah. Uh, and Fred's number is... 
Okay. And uh, <laughs> Jared, Jared, how are you? Um, I think especially with kids, like, and and knowing that the physical intimacy can really be, I, I truly think it can be a healer of relationships. I think it also, um, there's, uh, there's so many different things about the way of, of people connecting to sex um, in partnership. And so how, how do you guys do that? Do you, what do you think about scheduled sex? Um, when the kids were babies, that was like the best option because they were guaranteed to be sleeping during certain times, but they were guaranteed to own your life when they weren't sleeping. So for four years had a, the love half of the love hate relationship was scheduled on the outside of that. Um, and I actually just heard one of the kids starting to get real angry outside the room, um, <laughs> outside of, outside of that space, I will, uh, refer to the saying that hope deferred makes the heart sick. You may schedule it, but the kids may decide that your schedule is worth shit. Mm. And that happens more often than not. <laughs> Even <laughs> Even like, oh, hey, you have a day off that wasn't expected and I work from home. Ho, ho, ho. Nope, nope. Kid's going to be sick in the principal's office during that time and you're going to have to go, you know, take care of a puking kid all day. So I, I tend to lean away from the scheduling as much as possible. Just I, it's burned me too much in the last six years. Um. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That expectation. I, I think that there's something to uh, an expectation, but then trying to stay uh, soft in that, right. To, to allow there be some wiggle room for sure with kids too. I, I know what you mean. Yeah. Cause you're like, I waited all week and yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Better, better and to, to make sure something happens than to try to be a perfectionist at getting it to happen at the right time. Okay, but if you're choosing morning, afternoon, evening, which one would you choose? Oh, morning. I like to start my days off right. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. And how often? Let's say like I said, I like to start whatever. my days off right. That I didn't. Oh, okay, okay. This is, this is two answers off of the same. Okay, gotcha. I gotcha. I'm picking it up. I'm picking it up. <laughs> okay. Um, what are, um, I, I have, I have actually, I'm going to do two more. I'm going to do two more. One of them is one more thing about sex is, um, I think that there is an unfortunate way. I, I liked how Marcus was kind of talking about how, uh, bodies and, and men's bodies being portrayed in media and dad bod and whatever. And like how detrimental I think that is to men. And I think then layering on top of, uh, those types of things is kind of this orthodoxy of religion and things that um, some of us have grown up with as as youth. And I think especially for men and for young boys, that there is this shaming that happens around sexuality. And do you feel like there is that piece of that for yourself, having grown up in an orthodox place and um, friend, I, I'm not sure how orthodox uh, you're growing up with, so maybe this might be towards Jared and Marcus. Um, mm -hmm. But is that shaming of, uh, or, or have you experienced any shaming with that? And that can be for any uh, any three of you. So Marcus, will you start us off with that? 
So I just want to make sure I understand, like, do I feel shame around my sexuality? Um, maybe shame around your sexuality, shame in, um, or have like had to process some of your childhood of, uh, teachings from an orthodox religious sort of way of being able to step into this ownership of being like, Oh no, it's okay. It's okay. If I want afternoon sex every single day, actually. And like, it's okay that I, um, am embodied in myself here in, in this moment and, uh, where maybe the church might have taught you something differently. Gotcha. So for me, there, there's definitely a lot of layers with that. And for anybody that, that has grown up in a, a very strict conservative type of religion, you can identify with that. And what I would say is if you haven't, then ask someone who has, and they will explain it to you. Because if you haven't experienced it, it is very hard to put yourself in that space. Um, it's a very unique space. And so I'll just, I'll start by saying that. Um, for me, it's, it's a work in progress continually. Um, I'm, I'm constantly working on that aspect of my life. Um, and I think for, for myself, what I've done is I've leaned on other people to help me um, kind of navigate that. Because at times, um, at times it feels very lonely and it feels very, um, very heavy. And there's, there's some, uh, conditioned self-loathing. Um, like Jared joked about earlier, the thought crimes thing. Um, like that's a real thing. And, and really like at least the religion that I was in and, and the, the growing up that I had, there was a lot of internalized, um, self-hatred around sex and, um, sexuality. And so, um, talking to, to other people that have navigated that before me, um, learning a lot and making like that a very uh, proactive part of my life to seek out resources and, and understand what, what is real and what is okay. And that this is a normal part of life and it's a beautiful part of life and it's an important part of life. And that, um, because it's something that, that I enjoy and that I want that doesn't make me a bad person or, or that doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with me, which is something that I was taught and believed for a long time. Um, but really stepping away from that. And like I said, leaning on other people has been so, um, so freeing and so helpful. And it's really, um, it's been interesting to see how that's permeated into other parts of my life where once I let go of the, the shame and the self-hate around that, it was like, oh, look at all these other parts of my life where I'm, I'm all right. Like if I'm all right over here, then I'm all right in these places too. And I can accept myself and, and love myself and these other things that have absolutely nothing to do with sex at all. But I didn't realize that there was all these layers that were keeping me from being able to like myself for these things as well. And I think... Yeah. I like that. I, I like how I like how that you're talking about how one thing is leads to the other because there's they are we're all so intertwined with all these pieces inside of us. So I like that. Yeah, and I think as you're like like we're doing this podcast to help um, people understand kind of how guys think. Like there is a lot of shame for men around sexuality, and some of that is 
due to some really stupid stuff that men have done in the past, but some of it is unfair and some of it is not right. And some of it is things that not, that should not be put upon us. And so don't excuse bad behavior, but also understand that we're dealing with a lot of shit and we're carrying a lot of baggage as well around this topic. It's not, it's not just you, but, but we are too. Yeah. Jared, how about you? Do do you have any experience with that as well coming from your background? The, I'm trying to understand exactly the question. It like the imposition of, of shame upon me. Yeah. Uh, So when, um, at least in Mormonism, when boys are at the age of 12, they are uh, repeatedly taught that um, there any expression of sexuality for themselves is is not good. And so that starts from a very young age and is carried throughout. Yeah. um, I mean, uh, just a little bit more background on me. Like (laughs) we were close friends with a lot of, or at least worked with, if we weren't close friends, a lot of the purity movement people in the evangelical Christian church in the U.S. in the late 90s through when I moved out in 2004. Um, Anyone who knows the name Rebecca St. James would know in that Christian space, like she had like the waiting for you song and stuff. Well, I did some shows with her as like a set manager um actually lost my virginity on the tour bus that we (laughs) used to go and do purity talks at schools and churches (laughs) (laughs) you know um it worked so it worked (laughs) yeah the purity talks worked real well real well i had listened to hundreds by that point um, and it was with another employee of that uh, organization's uh, daughters who was also of age. So, um, yeah, but that aside, shaming was heavy. Um, implications with the sh- shaming were heavy from the media we were allowed to intake to, uh, again, a sermon you hear at minimum once a week. Uh, if, if, you know, if you have like a teenage, uh, Sunday school class. So imagine once a week being told your sexuality is a secret gift that if anyone else sees it is ruined forever. And so are you, your damaged goods. Like you hear that once a week guaranteed, uh, maybe twice a week if you're lucky enough to go to a youth group too. And maybe even extra days if you're more involved, like we were, um, and that starts, Mine started at about six years old um, because I overheard conversations. And so my, my, my parents had to, you know, have, have the talk that they assumed I didn't know what stuff was and that I hadn't been reading my dad's EMT handbooks or the dictionary in our uh, family office, try to figure out what life was, you know, give kid, give kids the ability to read, tell them that there are forbidden topics and don't get rid of encyclopedias. They'll figure it out. Um, or give, give that homeschool kid unlimited hours in the public library. Yeah. They'll figure it out. (laughs) Uh, for me personally, I was, I had an inner monologue running adjacent. Um, and when I was a teenager, I tried to buck some of the things just a little bit to see how far I'd be actually allowed to go. What was rhetoric and what was real. 
and discovered rhetoric and reality were married at the hip, if not conjoined twins. So for me, everything went private then. And I mean, from age six. So I was running kind of my own thought process on what the world actually was and what was or wasn't okay based off of good people I knew, people who I knew were genuinely doing good things in the world who did not claim the same doctrines, who did not claim the same things. And I started building out my own thing there, which then led to uh, very, very active uh, 17 to, uh, well, let's see, I'm 33. So since then, very active life. So, um, you know, uh, but never with monogamy until, until we were married. So that shame in the background, it's always there, but it's there as like, the shit that you beat, if that makes sense. Like, mm, yeah, um, yeah that's, that's the stuff that's going to be worth like continuing to buck up against. Yeah, like, oh, you're there again. Yeah, no, you get you get jammed back down. I've got you under my thumb. Go go away. Um, though I will find it creep up in weird places, like especially with parenting. I, I'm having to rewrite parenting. I can't replicate what I was raised with, right? Um, and we live in a very neo-Christian conservative culture. So your options for, um, uh, books and, and people to talk to about these kind of things and how to talk to your kids about them outside of a, a faith-based, uh, ideology are very, very limited. And again, I have a seven, I said eight, he just had his birthday, uh, about a week ago. He's nine. Um, so I suck. Um, <laughs> or kid had to have his birthday under quarantine like Anna. Um, but, uh, you know, he's, we, I've already had, uh, you know, big air quotes, the talk with my son. And it was very difficult coming up with a new narrative around it that did you know, not I, have I, shame I, as the cornerstone. Yes. Okay. So I've actually done a podcast actually fairly recently on my, on my podcast. I, it's called Yoga Strong and um, kind of like the practice of paying attention um, as my definition of yoga and where that shows up. And so I have a whole episode titled um, How to Talk to Kids About Sex and kind of my experiences with that. And um, also having grown up Mormon and not being part of the Mormon faith anymore and only having that same dialogue, just as you're saying, like, that was how I grew up. This is how you talk about it. And I'm like, that is not what I want. That's not what I want for my kids. Like, this has to be normalized. How can I do this in a different way? Because that's, and, and knowing that that was the only way that I knew, same as how you're saying where like, okay, what is that new? What, what's that new way that I can approach this? That's maybe not the comfort place that I grew up as a, as a child from my parents, but that I, I want to do differently. And so I do share some of that, um, my conversation with my kids and what I do in that particular episode. And I have been pretty amazed having a little bit older kids, the, um, the programs within the school system and the books that are available and the podcasts that are available to help parents navigate talking about sexuality with their kids. There's a lot of cool resources out there. So for sure, there's, there's some, some good things because you're right. And having grown up in an Orthodox place, and I think there's a whole lot of us out there who now are having children being like, what do we do now? (laughs) Yeah. uh, Because there's a lot more than hetero too, you know, Yes. in the conversation and yes, not, exactly. not pushing, um, nope, not implying, 
not yep. uh, projecting, not, you know, being able to communicate those things without doing all of that at the same time. And right, the non-judgment. Like to put it for those who don't have kids who don't have like the emotional, I don't want to crush this person who's, you know, a mini me and, and continue that cycle. Um, like just imagine you've got this, this human at their most vulnerable moment when they're going to learn something that might define their relationships might it doesn't have to but might define a lot of their relationships the way you handle this conversation like the weight that goes into that is significant (laughs) no but also i would actually challenge that a little bit and say that i think there are in like innumerable like uncountable amounts of opportunity oh yes Yes, it shouldn't just be one talk that happens once. No, no. and so like, one talk, like, there, like it should, that like almost one talk should hold no weight at all. It really is like the cumulative like 500 talks you have over the years with your kids, like that is the talk. <laughs> and so all of those are little pieces added together. And like the really the willingness to like talk to your kids about just being open with it. And, and it is a process if you didn't grow up in a situation like that. Uh, Fred, I, I would like to end with any of your thoughts about this and, and wherever your background comes. And then, Marcus, I'm going to pass the torch back off to you to wrap us up. Um, let's see. For me, I didn't. I wasn't raised in any sort of religion at all. Um, so for me, there was never any taboo around it. Um, uh, growing up, I mean, I was, I guess I was probably 11, 12 when, you know, things started happening for me. Um, but like I said before, my mom was married to my now ex-stepfather, not a super great guy. But um, one thing I always remember him saying is, you know, as I was starting to kind of get to that age, it was always kind of this really, they were awkward passing statements he would make, like, you know, someday you're going to want to, you know, touch yourself and that's, you know, girls are going to be, you know, making you crazy. And I remember vividly thinking that was disgusting and that's not going to happen to me. And then when it started happening, I was like, oh, God, he was right. Like, that was one of the few things that I, you know, remember from him, you know, as a male figure in my life at that time, um, kind of sticking with me um, because of the relationship we had. And uh, it, it, that was kind of the only thing that uh, was really talked about. And then when it started, you know, when I kind of hit puberty and, you know, juices were flowing and that's, you know, my brain started going crazy and hormones happened. And. I kept those things to myself, but I was never ashamed of it because I was told that that's what's going to happen. And I was like, oh, well, I was told that was going to happen. So, okay. Um, so, you know, of, of many negative things that came out of my relationship with my ex-stepfather, that was one thing. I have never felt shame about that. Um, uh, once it started happening to me, I kind of kept it to myself just yeah. as a little bit of a, you know, kind of stick it to you like, mm-mm. I don't think so. You, you know, cause I, I didn't like him. He wasn't a nice person, so I didn't want him to be right. So I kept it to myself, but, um, it was not, I, I guess I never really struggled with that. Um, as I, I never felt bad about it. Not that I was, you know, kind of throwing myself all over the place and, you know, going willy nilly. Um, my mom was a very grounding person in my life is still, um, and was very open with me, you know, she would tell me, you know, as I started getting older, she, she gauged, she kind of, as I was getting older, she would kind of know when I needed to talk about certain things. So 
with her, she, you know, gauged that was really good about, you know, talking to me about those things. Um, and it only came up when I felt it needed to come up and she would, you know, elaborate when I asked questions and then it would be left at that. So it wasn't this weird thing. Um, it wasn't like a this weird defining moment in my life when I had the talk and then everything changed. It was kind of just, I, you know, went about life. And then as things came up, I asked about it and that was it. Um, one thing I don't think that I did get just because of my relationship with my stepfather was a solid male figure in my life, kind of walking me through that as a male that's already gone through it. I ping pong things off of my mom it, to the level that was comfortable for me at 13, 14, 15 years old. Um, but, um, I, I, I've always been kind of an observer of things. So I, you know, I'd get, you know, boys talk and, you know, I'd gauge conversations with friends and I'd overhear, you know, other friends talk about things and, you know, sometimes they'd be in line with what I was experiencing and I'm like, okay, I'm not the only one. So I would kind of silently gauge the crowd and kind of look for things that, um, kind of match what I was going through. And once I heard validation that somebody else was going through it, I was like, cool, I'm not, you know, I'm not crazy. This isn't weird. This isn't, you know, bad. Um, I did have friends that were raised in pretty strict households, so they were really uncomfortable talking about those things. So kind of right away, didn't really make sense why they wouldn't. Um, which I, I mean, I'm blessed to be able to say that because like Jared and Marcus didn't have the luxury of, of, um, that not being kind of at the forefront, especially at that age when sometimes that is the yeah. only thing that's going through your brain. And it's not a conscious choice that you made. It's you turn 12 and all of a sudden your brain's thinking different it's things. Part and you're of like, nature. Yeah. Like that's just what happens when you get older. And all of a sudden you're like, I, I couldn't imagine what it would have been like to just be in your body thinking things not consciously and wanting and you know things happening while you're sleeping and you're like oh god i'm like and feeling ashamed because you exist in a body i i couldn't imagine that right. and i'm, I'm blessed exactly, I'm, exactly. I'm, ble- it's, I'm blessed to be <laughs> able to not have to not have that as my uh past and you know when i do have kids i kind of have a pretty good um you know just example of how my mom handled it you know she's not a man so she wasn't able to give me that perspective which I will be able to offer a son someday, hopefully. Um, but um, yeah, for me, it, it never seemed like taboo. I think the older I got, the more I started to feel like maybe I should feel like it was. But I was still like, no, it's, it, it's you know, there's no ill intent behind the thoughts that I'm having. I'm not, you know, trying to, you know, hurt anybody in any way. These are just the things that are running through my brain. You know, there are, you know, things are going, you know, whatever the neurons and they're doing the thing that they're doing and that's what's happening and yeah this is normal yeah i'm grateful that you had this experience that you can uh share like kind of this opposite experience than jared and marcus and i think you know as this as this whole episode is really geared towards women having a peek into like three different men, a different um, background of growing up, different, you know, thought processes and interests and, and some similarities as well. But just like the, the growing, I like the ability to have patience and empathy with uh, a man's perspective and that 
like the the coding that the media or uh, the world at large might place upon men or women or or any certain type of label of person mm-hmm. it merits some more investigation into it and right. that there is deeper meaning and experience and if we have a level of patience and interest which really is like the gift that we can give each other then then things can be really meaningful you know, with everybody and that we have a story. And I think some men even, you know, just because of what they see in the media or what they hear, um, you know, depending on how you were raised or just the type of person that you are, are impressionable and um, sometimes operate the way that society says that you should operate when really deep down that might not necessarily be what they innately would do but they just feel the pressure to act that way because of the societal pressures. So having kind of that patience and being able to pull layers back and kind of understand where people are operating from, um, because, Um, you know, kind of face value, you might run into a douchebag, you know, Carson on the beach and he's, you know, doing the macho thing, but really deep down, maybe that's not how he would normally operate. You know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So Carson, yeah. he, he's July. Carson. He's uh, Carson. Car- Carson. You know what, Carson? <laughs> Carson? Carson's the guy at the gym that, you know, takes selfies and doesn't actually lift anything. But, you know, there's, there's layers. There's a lot of brokenness behind there's that There's lots of broken, you know, it's unconditional acceptance. You meet them where they're at and you go from there. It's totally fine. I know. And, it, and if Carson was on this, we would all be like, Carson, you are our best friend now. Like, here yeah. we have heard your process. You know, be like, Carson, so dude, like, what do you think? Yeah. So. <laughs> 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 oh, poor <laughs> Carson. Well, okay. and I think actually, like, I I would love, you know, I think it is thinking of like the opportunity I've had to speak with you guys, and and feel very privileged, and and you have spent a lot of time here with me and with all of us here that capturing those those Carson show, I say, um, whether they're men or women or anywhere in between, whatever their gender happens to be labeled, and being able to spend two hours with them right and have conversation with them like there's going to be so many layers under there and i feel privileged that we have the opportunity to sit and do this together and like almost like the encouragement i think of conversations like this is is that if we are willing to actually invest in that time and if they are that uh, the amount of things that we can really learn to sympathize and empathize with each other is enormous and mm-hmm. so thank you all for being here and for truly sharing and being uh, vulnerable and sharing part of your history and part of the way you think that maybe you have never shared before. And Marcus, I'm going to let you go ahead and take over this and wrap us up. Awesome. I just want to echo what Bonnie said. I really appreciate both of you guys. You're, you're good dudes. I appreciate the vulnerability. Um, I felt uncomfortable at times. So um, I assume that you at some point also felt a little uncomfortable. So thank you both for this and, and sharing so much. Um, I think this is going to do a lot of good for people on, on both sides of the relationship spectrum, both those who are in relationship with men. And then also, as I was listening, I was like, man, like I'm learning so much. And so I hope that the men that are listening to this take something away. And as I get ready to end this episode, I would just say like, to the men that are listening, um, you know, you, those feelings, like whatever those feelings are, like whether you're insecure about the way you look, 
or you feel shame around certain things, like I hope that after listening to the three of us talk, you know you're not alone. And then to the people in these men's lives, I would just ask that you you create a safe space for us to open up because as you heard tonight, like we want to talk, we want to tell you what's going on, but we just want to feel safe doing it. So um, that would be my invitation for you all who are listening to create a safe space for the men in your life to be able to talk to you about these things. I hope we provided some insights. Jared, Fred, Bonnie, thank you so much. And to everybody listening, thank you for keeping us company tonight. And we'll talk to you soon. Bye.